Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the Young Adult Ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoyed this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Fusion, what's up? There we go. How you guys feeling? Okay. A little mixture. I like the mixture, though. I feel like that means you guys are being honest with me. Anybody have a good weekend? Anybody have a, a weekend they don't even remember because it just flew by? Yeah, that's what happens to me a whole lot. It's good to see you guys. I am super excited. We've been in this series called Holy Spirit. And I mean, it's called Holy Spirit because it's about the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a super creative title. This hasn't been a super produced, creative series. Why? Because I feel like it's just vital information. This has been one of the most exciting series that I've been able to teach because I feel like I've been learning more than ever about this as I'm teaching it. And I feel like I'm living like these messages as I preach them, right after I preach them. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but like after last week, that gap between Tuesday to Tuesday? Do you experience, have you experienced a lot of opportunities to entertain either your flesh or your spirit? And have you been more aware of those opportunities? That's what we were talking about last week. You guys were a ton of fun to be with. I feel like that was the most conversational message we've had because you guys were so engaged in it. And I think it's because it's something that every single person deals with. And that's what I started the series with was this is one of the most vital series that we could do. And I say series, but I really just mean it's the most vital concept that we can grasp as followers of Christ, because this is the essential piece of following Christ. Having a relationship with God and understanding how he wants us to engage with the Holy Spirit is the most important thing you can grasp as a believer. Jesus told his disciples. I mean, he came back, resurrected, walked about the grave, came back through, sat down with them, and was like, hey, look, I'm going to send you guys on this mission to impact the world. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But don't go anywhere. Nowhere. Don't leave here. Don't step outside of here. Don't go anywhere until you have received the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as I've been navigating these messages, as I've been navigating the Bible, this information, I've been doing it with that in mind. This is so important that Jesus would say, don't even go anywhere until you get this. And yet so many of us as Christians especially We'll get saved and we just start moving. We're reading devotionals, download the Bible app, go from subject to subject on these devotionals. Um, but I think that a lot of us face struggles that challenge us a lot mentally. And we wonder I thought that this Christianity thing was supposed to be better than my old life. And it is. But a lot of us translate that as easier. 
them my whole life, and I felt like these are, there are certain things that I decided to walk away from when I decided to follow Jesus, and those things just keep following me. As I'm on this walk, it's like, oh, you're still right here. <laughs> what I was trying to abandon and run away from. And then we see that Jesus does these miracles. He said, those who believe will do more than I've done here. And if that's true, why are we seeing that? I think it's because a lot of us don't understand where the power to do those things comes from. And it's not just because we want to do miracles and do fancy things. It's because God wants his presence, his power, his person to be known here on earth. And one of the ways that he does that is by inserting himself into the natural and doing something that's super natural outside of what we naturally see to show that he has authority over what he's created, to show that he's the real God. That's important for us to see some type of spiritual reality in our lives, not to just follow a book, not to just follow a set of ideas or a philosophy, but if God is real, if he's a real person, if he's a living God like he says he is, are we seeing him alive in our lives? If not, I think this information is what's missing, engaging with his Holy Spirit. What we started off this series talking about is, it's interesting how as believers, a lot of times we know way more about the Father and the Son but they're in heaven, and the Holy Spirit is here with us, dwelling in us, dwelling among us. He should be the one we're most familiar with, and he points us to Jesus. He points us to the Father. Everything that he does is a reflection of who they are. We talked about how he is an agent, and an agent is a person who acts on behalf of another person or group of persons. The Holy Spirit is the agent that's acting on behalf of the Father and the Son here on earth among his church. And that's the mark of Christianity. The mark of Christianity is not, I said yes to Jesus, I received him as my Lord and Savior, and now I'm going to follow a bunch of rules. The mark of Christianity is the Spirit of God living inside of you, changing you, transforming you, teaching you, you seeing him active in your life. That's why we do this. And then that begs a bigger question what do you want your life to be about? If there's something much bigger than us, if there's this God who created us, who sent his son to die for our sins just so we could come into his presence clean and holy and we could interact with him with nothing standing in between us and he's enacted his justice against disobedience by taking it out on his own son to make the sacrifice, to pay the price for our sins, if he's done all that so that we could do life with him, what is that life supposed to look like? And if that's for each and every person, if that's for you and for me, what does he want to do? And then if that's the case, what do you want to do? If you're faced with that, if we can make life about us or step into the reality of this bigger picture, 
So it begs the question, what do you want your life to be about? A part of what God is doing or just what you're doing? Do you wanna just pursue your own dreams and your own ideas that are limited? Or do you wanna step into what God has for you, the God who created you, who knit you together, who put your personality together, who put your preferences together, who wired you with strengths and with weaknesses? with a plan for how those things would complement other things and other people for this plan that he has in his kingdom. So we all have this question, what do we want our lives to be about? What do you want your life to be about? And if you want your life to be about the purpose that God has for you, that he's paid this huge price just to give to you, that he's sent the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, not just this force or this energy, but the person of God, the third person of the Trinity, co-equal, co-eternal, has been around just as long, is just as powerful, is just as worthy of our praise. He's come out of heaven into us. What does he want to do? If he has, he's given you the opportunity to have himself inside of you, equipping you, empowering you, what does he want to do? And then what do you want to do? Do you want to live according to that or according to what you can come up with? And so we've been talking about walking with the Holy Spirit. And we were talking about Galatians 5 last week, walking by the Spirit in walking with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your lives, then you won't do what your sinful nature is craving to do. I wanna dive back into that, is that cool? Because that is the biggest opponent of you walking in purpose, of you walking in the big picture, of you knowing what God wants to do through your life, in your life, what he wants to show you, what he wants to reveal to you about himself. The biggest thing standing in the way between you and God is you. And God talks about that. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna dive into what he says. God, we thank you for bringing us here. Lord, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, introduce us to you. Reintroduce us to you. Reveal who you are. Give us a fresh understanding of who you are. Pour out your wisdom. Speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Romans 8, 5 through 9 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, have their minds set on what the Holy Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, talking about the church, talking about those who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, 
but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. I think this is super important to understand in our day and age where there's this like no judgment zone mentality where it's like, well, I don't know if you have Christ or not. I'm not here to judge you. It's not our place. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. How you connect with God, is that's how you connect. And how I connect, that's how I connect. But the Bible, the word of God, God himself makes very clear distinctions. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. And even right here, this is talking about how we live our lives. And if we live our lives in accordance with and governed by our own nature, or if our mind is governed by the Holy Spirit, and our mind should be governed by the Spirit if the Spirit of God is inside of us. And if the Spirit of God is not inside of us, we don't belong to Christ. But here's the good news. Access to the Spirit of God is not free, but it's been paid for by Jesus Christ. This is why we're here. This is what we're talking about. Jesus Christ left heaven, came to earth, lived as a man. Why? So that God could enact justice on the flesh. He took on human flesh, which is in itself corrupt, and lived a perfect life to be a perfect sacrifice. I know it sounds wild, but it's not my story. It's God's. This really happened. I say this all the time. Every time I think about how crazy the gospel sounds, and I'm going to use that term because it's, it's real. Every time I think about that, I go like, this is crazy, though. Like, me having fingers and fingernails and thoughts. <laughs> A lot of us just don't think about it, but I'm here to remind you all of this is wild. You just were born into it, and it's become normal to you. But this is wild. Like, we all look different. We speak different, sound different. We have different perceptions of colors. What are colors? <laughs> right? We could get into how weird everything is. What brings us back to the gospel. And God knows how weird it sounds, but that's why he did miracles when he came. Why? To prove, no, I'm really God. I know this is weird. I know that this whole sacrifice thing, it sounds weird to you because you're so far removed from what the truth is. You only live in your own existence and in the limits of what you know and what you're aware of and what's normal to you. And what's normal to you has been cultivated by just what you've grown up around, what you've heard, what you've seen. So what you're used to seeing, what you're used to hearing is what's normal to you. That doesn't make it true. That doesn't make it truth. That doesn't make it reality. Reality is, according to God, there's a spiritual realm that was created before we were created. God created the heavens and the earth. And so there's a heavenly realm taking place right now. 
Like in this room, there's spiritual activity going on. In you, around you, there's spiritual activity happening. And because there's a bigger reality, God himself stepped in to reveal what that bigger reality is to us. And one of the truths of that reality is by nature, we desire what is opposed to God. So when we follow what's natural to us, even with good intentions, we discussed that last week. The Bible literally says you are not free to follow your good intentions because even with good intentions, you can be dead wrong. I can have plenty of good intentions and do horrible things. People who sign up to do some of the worst things imaginable do so with good intentions. So Jesus steps out of heaven, pays this price for us, and then says, hey, this is what I'm giving you, the Holy Spirit to help you, describes him as a helper. What do we need help with? Everything. You're right. Particularly, not listening to your flesh. You need God himself to govern what you're doing because only he knows the larger perspective. Only he knows what is actually happening. He says the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. This is what he's come to give us. So last week, we talked about some things that are indicators that your flesh is leading your life. You guys remember that? We're going to talk about that again today. Why? Because these things are leading our lives. A lot of us, many of us, this is what we all deal with, and it's not something that you just overcome once and then it's over with. It's something that you constantly have to navigate through. These things will pop up in your life. So we're talking about two main indicators tonight. I, was, I told you guys last week we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and that was my plan. It wasn't God's plan. God was like, no, you guys need to focus more on that piece because it's so important for us to be aware, and with awareness comes wisdom. When we're aware of what's going on in our lives, the more clearly we are aware of what's going on in our lives, the more clearly we can make decisions when we're navigating it. And so when it comes to living your life in accordance with the Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, and not following your sinful nature, which only leads you to death and destruction, God gives us some indicators that can flare up red flags that we can see, hey, your flesh is leading you right now and you're going the wrong direction. One of those, we talked about it last week, is idolatry. And I know people are like, if you're not familiar with this, that sounds like super deep, super ancient. Like a lot of us think like rain dances and statues and like people just saying weird stuff and going, fires and tiki torches. It's real. A lot of us don't think of idolatry in like modern times, modern terms. We definitely don't think we're having that in our own lives. Idolatry, oh no. No, no, no. I don't worship idols. That's wild. But it's interesting because God himself, when the Israelites 
came out of Egypt. And he, he shares these Ten Commandments. One of the things that he just starts with is, I'm the, I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. Let me introduce myself to you. I am the Lord your God. Yeah, I'm the one who actively pulled you out of Egypt. I'm the one who's been involved in your life. For you, it would be, I am the Lord your God. I'm the one who's been watching you since you were a little kid. I'm the one who's seen all the stuff that you do, even the weird stuff. I know even the weird thoughts that you have, and I love those. You're kind of funny. All those things. I know you very, very well. And yeah, when you were in just a place of a mess and you had no interest in me and you were just living life how you wanted to, I introduced myself to you. I showed you my love, my kindness. It made you turn away from all the crazy stuff you were doing. I pulled you out of that place. Now that we've established that, that I have good intentions for you, I've done great things for you, you will have no other gods but me. He goes on to say that he's a jealous God. And I think he has the right to be. God's done a lot for us. Similar to my beautiful wife over here. Go ahead, girl. You know, that's, that's kind of what that whole marriage thing is. It's like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to tell her. All right, okay, there we go. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm your husband, you know. <laughs> I'm your husband. You know, the one who's loved you up until this point, brought you out of Arizona, brought you over here to Atlanta. And I plan, I vowed, I've committed myself to love you, to serve you for the rest of our lives. You will have no other men besides me. None. Don't look at them. Don't talk to them. Don't look at her. Don't talk to her. Talk to me. Nobody else. I'm the only one. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I am your man. The only one forever. We're in this. And that's what God is saying. When we commit our lives to him, he commits himself to us. And he says, you have access to everything that I have. I love you. I'm committing myself to you. I have everything that you need. But you will have no other gods before me. You will have no other God beside me. You will have no other gods but me. I am the Lord your God. You only have one, one God. So a lot of us, when we hear the term idol, we think all the rain dance stuff, all the weird stuff, all the ancient pagan stuff that we have nothing to do with. However, idols are simply things that disproportionately consume your thoughts, actions, or resources. Leave that up because we need to write that down. Idols are things that disproportionately consume your thoughts, actions, or resources. So even with the rain dances and all those things that people were doing, they were going to their dances and whatever gods they had made up for rain. Why? Because they wanted 
their land to be fertile. They wanted food. They needed provision, and they were going to something else to provide what only God is supposed to provide. And so that was disproportionately consuming their actions. They shouldn't have been dancing to those things at all. And so it was disproportionately consuming that for you when you need security and stability, confidence, identity. What do you go to? Because we know that something has become an idol when it is filling a void that only God should fill. And so if something is disproportionately consuming your time, your thoughts, your energy, your resources, the disproportion that's happening when it's out of proportion, it's because God should be doing that. And so that's where it's out of balance is when it's doing something that only God should do. And so if God should only be getting a certain amount of your time, a certain amount of your resources, and really, more than that, the intangible things, your commitment, your energy, your affection, your engagement, when that's disproportionately given to other things, that thing has become an idol. Something is an idol if you find more fulfillment in connecting with it than in connecting with God. And God says, you will have no other gods before me. I should be the one that you find fulfillment in connecting with. This is why it's very important for us to understand that relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important because you're not gonna love connecting with just a text and like some rules and some encouragement and some inspiration, motivation, good ideas. That's, you're not gonna love connecting with that for long. But God himself, who will speak to you, that you can find fulfillment in. A living God you can find fulfillment in. But something has become an idol in your life if you are finding more fulfillment in connecting with it than with God. And this happens to us all the time and very easily because there's a ton of things that we have access to. We have access to like everything just on these devices. So many things. And so there are so many directions that we can go to find some type of fulfillment, entertainment, whatever it is. A great test for if something has become an idol in your life is asking this question. Do you spend more time connecting with whatever it is than with God? Do you spend more time connecting with whatever it is that just popped up in your mind, that was the Holy Spirit, than with God? The Holy Spirit's like, yeah, I'm talking about this thing right here that just popped in your mind. I did that because you're spending more time connecting with that. And notice, I, I didn't say just reading because, again, I want us to get out of this mentality of just routines and dead religion. We need relationship with God, connecting. I can read my Bible and not connect with nothing. I need to connect with God. That's what he wants because he's alive. That's why he sent his son and died. Why? So we could just read a book all day and follow what it says? No. So we could experience him 
who he is so that we could have eternal life because it's not over when we leave here. He sees the big picture. And you don't want to try to start connecting with him when life ends. Because what we do here determines how things are there. I didn't determine that, he did. Some common things that we deal with, common idols that we'll see. One, your career. Do you spend more time engaging with and investing in your career than you do in connecting with God? And this isn't an accusation, an attack, or a judgment. The reality is your career can only determine what you attain here and has no lasting value in the grand scheme of things. So there's nothing wrong with investing in a career, but when it's disproportionately consuming your thoughts, your actions, or your resources, it has become an idol and it's no longer healthy because your career cannot fill the void of identity, but you can spend your whole life just trying to advance to the next position, advance to the next number of commas in your bank account, thinking that that's going to bring the fulfillment that you need and you've wasted tons of time that you could have been finding that fulfillment in God. You're spending seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, on what? On something that's going to have an eternal return or on something that's just gonna disappear when you do? I was really thinking about this because I saw this article on like the Queen of England and then Gabrielle was telling me like, who's gonna be next? I don't even remember who she said, sorry. But, is, yeah, sorry, my bad. So, the point is, that the Queen of England is getting old, right? And it's just the reality. It happens to all of us. We can only go forward. We can't go backwards. And so the older you get, the closer you are to this thing ending. And so it's like, man, you spend all this time being royalty. And then what? Seriously. Steve Jobs on his deathbed. It's like, wow, all this success, all this prominence, all this fame is worth nothing right now. Steve Jobs created this. But I bet you if he could go back, now seeing what the, what's on the other side, that's going to last way longer than a physical life. He would say, that's worth investing in. This was nothing. Jesus says, all this stuff is going to burn up. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, is what Jesus says. Not even the current heaven is going to last. This earth, definitely not. We see it happening, and everybody's in this panic. Global warming, all these things, oh my gosh. The earth, if we don't take care of it, it's going to perish. 
And I'm not making fun of taking care. I believe we should take care of God's creation. But the reality is, a lot of us are living like this is supposed to be around forever. So we're like, we have to make sure it lasts for the next five million years. And God's like, I'm going to be back in like five. <laughs> because this is old. This is the old model. I'm, I'm over this. We've been doing this for like thousands of years. I got new ideas, new innovation. And God wants to, us to experience that with him. That's why he came and died. Not just so you could feel better. Not just so you could have some prayers answered about your job. God cares about those things, but there's a bigger picture. Is your career investment invested in the bigger picture? God, I could be doing a lot of things right now. You could be doing a lot of things right now. What is the reason that you've chosen to do what you're doing? Has it been led by your flesh? Or has it been led by the Spirit of God who knows all things, who can point you in the direction that's going to be the proper investment to get the largest return on your investment, where your investment won't end when you do? We see later on in the, in the Gospels, Peter refers to his body as a tent. Like, whenever I get out the tent of this body, like, the closer you become to God who is eternal, the more aware you become of how temporal this life is. And it changes how you make decisions. And the closer you get to God, the more he will help you to live in a way that invests in eternity. Personal relationships is another one of the things that gets in the way. Personal relationships are vital for our lives. They're necessary. God wants us to have personal relationships and healthy personal relationships. But are you confiding more in your personal relationships than you are in God? Are you spending more time connecting with your personal relationships than you are with God? And this isn't saying you have to spend 16 hours in the Bible every day. but how often are you engaging with God? It doesn't really take a whole lot. Like, Gabrielle, I can just text her, I can call her. God, you can talk to him whenever. As you're going about your day, inviting him in to conversations that you're having, to decisions that you're making. That's what he wants. He wants to guide your life. He is a helper. That's what he came to do. Help us. Social media. And I, as I was writing this, I'm like, I feel like I'm like 60 years old saying this. Like, you guys are too wrapped up in this social media. Ugh. Instagram. However, it's real. Like, we spend so much time. And the reality is, if you're finding fulfillment, if you're going to social media to fill a void, and you guys are like, I do not go to social media to fill a void. It's just Instagram. I'm just scrolling. Cool. Okay. But do you get more encouragement from who engages with you on social media and how much engagement you get than you do from engaging with God? Like, that's a real question. And judging from what some of y'all post, I see you. I know, I know what the answer is. Because at this point, Instagram is just continually evolving into this 
thing where, like, it's just encouraged for us to be thirsty. And we, I'm so serious. Like, we can really not even realize, like, how thirsty we are. Who are you trying to impress? And why? Ask that question. It's not a judgment. It's not an attack. We've all been there. We all face that. But it's the desires of the flesh that's saying this is instant. You put this up, you're going to get some likes, you're going to get some comments, you're going to get some hard eyes. That's going to make you feel good. You don't get that. You're like, why isn't anybody liking this? Maybe I should post it at a different time. Delete. Nobody's on it this time. Engagement was low. I get it. I get it. I've been there. I get it. But we have to grow past that. Because what is that really getting you? What is that getting you? Where is it getting you? Except for just some instant gratification when you could be connecting with God and getting your identity, your confidence, your affirmation from him. The people who have the most valuable things to share on social media don't for the most part because they're busy doing things that are valuable. And this is not an attack on social media. I think social media is super important. I think it's an opportunity to communicate to millions of people at one time. It's one of the best inventions and tools that we have. But when we use it and it's disproportionately consuming our thoughts, our actions, and our resources, it has become an idol and it's out of place. But when you can use it in proper priority, you're good. But what's your priority? What's leading? What's leading your engagement? Because the closer you get to God, the more you realize, like, man, all this stuff really means nothing. Like, we don't even know how long Instagram's gonna be around. I mean, they're, I mean, they're going strong. I'm actually really impressed. Because social media platforms, a lot of times, they don't last. Facebook is killing the game. It purchased Instagram. I, I watch these things. I pay attention, all those things. But the reality is, all this stuff could just crumble at any moment. Something else could take over. They're trying to fight against that, but all I'm saying is it's temporary. And how much do you invest in it? All right. Some of the sneaky idols, because those are like ones that we're used to. But there are some sneaky things that don't seem like idols. Holy Spirit speaking to you. Somebody just yell one out. I'm like, that's a good one. That's the Holy Spirit probably speaking that to you and to a lot of people. But if it popped up in your mind, I'm just saying, pay attention. Might have been for people around you, for you. Minister, look. Let them do it. Some of the sneaky ones for the Christians in the room. Ministry. Ministry can be an idol. It can disproportionately consume your thoughts, your actions, your resources. It can fill a void 
that only God is supposed to fill? Are you spending more time ministering about God than you are connecting with him? It's a real question to ask because our flesh is constantly, constantly craving something and telling us that we can find it in these instant things. Oh man, I did so much good today. And you would be better off investing in time connecting with God so that you actually have something valuable to give to people. The more time you're spending with God, the more you're connecting with him, the better you will be at connecting with others. But when it's disproportionate, it's unhealthy. And when you're ministering out of your flesh, you burn people and you get burnt out. That happens when you're ministering out of your flesh. All right. Marriage. Sneaky. But marriage has become an idol when your spouse becomes the source for the needs that God should be meeting. Marriage should be catapulting you into purpose, not keeping you from it. If you are too busy with your marriage to spend time connecting with God, it is disproportionately consuming your thoughts, your actions, your resources. It's filling a void that only God should be filling. So who and what do you confide in? That's who your God is. When things get hard, where do you go? That's your God. When you need to make tough decisions, who do you listen to? That's your God. The second indicator that I wanted to talk about tonight, because Galatians 5, it lays out a good amount of them, but I felt really pressed to talk about two of these. One is idolatry and breaking that down. The second is selfish ambition. Because these are things we don't think about. Like, this is probably the one that I personally have to watch because I'm driven to achieve stuff. I'm driven to accomplish stuff. And so it's a strength of mine, but it can become a weakness, a distraction. I have to constantly examine my motives. What is your motive for what you're doing? And that can be a question that you ask for anything. But that's what God's looking at. God examines the motives of the heart. And in Philippians 2, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So the reality is God is saying you should be spending more time caring about other people than yourself. That's impossible. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, because you can't do that. You could probably do that for like five minutes. Like legitimately think about other people more than yourself while just trying to do it on your own. You're wired for self-preservation, like your brain is wired to say, what do I need right now? What do I want? What do I need? 
What's going on in my head? How am I feeling? That's just what you do. So for him to say, do nothing out of that is impossible. But Jesus says, after saying that something is impossible, he says, but all things are possible with God. This is why you need the Holy Spirit, because what he calls us to is really the biggest challenge of our lives and things that are too big for us to be able to do. For you to live your life serving is a miracle of God. But the flesh, the flesh will lead you to strive while the spirit will lead you to serve. And it's the tension that we live in constantly. So you have to examine your motives. I personally have to do this because I am wired to just create stuff and put stuff together. Why am I doing this? Is this just for me to look dope? Or is this to bring glory to God? Is this to empower others? Is this to bless other people? Because that's how God is telling us to live. But we can get so caught up in the, this is how I am. This is my gifting. This is what I'm passionate about. And your passion only serves you. And then you try to find a way to like make it serve other people. Like I've shared that before, like pursuing business and wanting to have a successful business and being like, I'm gonna use it and when I get rich, I'm gonna like bless people and give them stuff. I don't know, I'll figure it out when I get there. When I'm rich, I'll figure out what I'm gonna do with the money to help other people. But right now, the goal is to get this money. Selfish ambition. So when you're going through your day choosing what to pursue, why are you pursuing it? Are you striving or are you serving? That's how you know if it's selfish ambition or not. God really wants this to be simple. I say it all the time. It's not easy, but it's simple. He wants us to live our lives in a way that serves others. And that's what he came to do. So as we close, I want us to go back to where we started. If you want your life to matter in eternity, then you have to live like it. What do you want your life to be about? What do you want your life to be about? Do you want your life to be about what matters here or what matters there? Jesus has a lot to say about what a life invested in eternity, invested in the kingdom looks like. And it's much more fulfilling, much more gratifying than anything that we can accomplish here. What we see time and time again is that when we strive here, it's never fulfilling. That's why you just look for the next thing to strive for, thinking, oh, well, this wasn't it. Maybe it'll be that. I got 1,000, but that's weak. I need 10,000. Ah, that's weak. I need 100,000. That's weak. I need a million. Now I need a billion. And then billionaires are like, this is stupid. <laughs> I saw that, like J.K. Rowling the author of Harry Potter just gave away a bunch of her fortune, which took her out of the billionaire list. She can no longer be considered a billionaire, but she's like, I have more than I need. What did she decide to do? 
Serve. I don't know if she's found Christ. I don't know if that decision was inspired by Christ. But what I want for us is to not have to wait until we're old and we've gotten all these things that we've been striving our whole lives to get to figure out this isn't even what's really important. I'm way more fulfilled than just serving people. That's what I want my life to be about. I personally have made a huge shift in my mentality in these last few years just following Christ. I was like selfish ambition. Didn't even realize it. I thought that I was awesome. Great guy in my eyes. Super selfish, super ambitious for my own selfish purposes. God spoke to me called me, saved me, has shifted my perspective, has allowed me to see things from a different place to find true fulfillment. Everything that he's suggested, everything that he's recommended, everything that he's commanded has been better than anything that I could suggest, recommend, or command. That's why I want my life to be about pleasing him. And I'm not towing this line of like, okay, is it okay for me to do this? Is it okay for me to do that? Is it okay for Christians to X, Y, Z? Is it pleasing to God? Is the question that I ask myself. And then if it's not, well, that's what I want my life to be about. Question answered. What do you want your life to be about? I want us to take some time to ponder on that. I'm gonna have the band come out sing with us, and just take some time to process through that personally. Like, man, what is my life about? What do I want my life to be about? I've noticed in my own life that when I make a decision to walk according to the Holy Spirit as opposed to according to my flesh, a lot of times it's that simple. Much more fulfilling. So are you seeing the results of a life directed by the Holy Spirit or the results of a life directed by your flesh? I want us to take some time. You guys can stand up. You can sit down. Just take some time with God. What am I seeing? What do I want my life to be about? And what is it about right now? Just have a conversation with God about it. Lord, I just ask that you would just speak to us in this moment. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Lord, let us not be focused on external things, temporal things. Let us not be distracted, but let us invest this time, these seconds, these minutes in what matters most. These few moments in our week, in our month, Lord, let us invest this in hearing from you so that you can speak to us, you can direct us, you can guide us in the right direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. 
Once again, thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.